This is Vern Benham Grimsley with the Spiritual Renaissance broadcast. One of the most famous hoaxes in American history originated in New York City years ago. It was a fundraising campaign soliciting contributions for, quote, the widow of the unknown soldier. And despite the fact that any person of logical reasoning might conclude that the widow of the unknown soldier would be equally as unknown as the soldier himself and would therefore be a questionable recipient of charity, over $7,000 were mailed in by unthinking citizens eager to assist with the project, which raises the question, how does one know that what one is believing is indeed the truth? Dr. Louis C. Lasagna, professor of experimental therapeutics at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, has written a book on medical quackery, in which he says, quote, gullibility is one of the basic characteristics of man. It varies in degree and in the way it manifests itself, but the ability to believe in the untrue seems an inevitable concomitant of life. Professor Lasagna substantiates his assertion of human gullibility with reports of several famous experiments. For instance, one professor sprayed water all around a classroom from an atomizer, then asked the students to raise their hands when they detected an odor. 73% did so, even though the distilled water sprayed in the air was odorless. In another experiment, a group of 1,484 people listened to two identical recordings of Brahms' first symphony after being told that the records were different. 95% of the subjects said that they detected a difference between the two recordings. Professor Lasagna concludes that it is almost impossible to destroy a cult or an irrational belief by factual evidence alone. When one famous medical fraud was brought to court, he was released on the testimony of an elderly woman who said she had been cured of diabetes by him. But shortly thereafter, she died of diabetes. Professor Lasagna concludes, quote, we are here dealing with an obviously fundamental yearning for authoritative advice and treatment. The frauds know this and feed upon it and probably always will. Granted, however, that the human mind can imagine differences between identical records, fantasize a fragrance for odorless water, suppose that a cure for a disease has been effected when in fact it is not, and conceive reasonable reasons for contributing to the widow of the unknown soldier, all this does not in the least undercut nor destroy the bases of genuine faith. Logically, just because some people have had faith in some things which were false, doesn't mean it isn't also possible to have faith in some other things which are true. Faith is not simply a symptom of feeble intellect. Faith is not a mere sentimental addle-headedness which mankind will one day outgrow. It is a powerful force which, when used incorrectly or unwisely, causes havoc and disappointment. But when used for the highest of purposes and in confirmation of the highest of truths, unleashes incredible dynamics within the human personality and indeed within the universe. Faith, at its noblest, is the supreme assertion of the mind and soul, the technique for claiming and experiencing and living the living truth. By faith, one can know God as Father and all humanity as one family, and that death is not the end of human existence, but the mere transition from time into eternity. Living faith is thus one of the mighty wellsprings of vital and vibrant, radiant living. The authentic satisfactions of human life are fundamentally spiritual. A French philosopher observed that few things are necessary to make the wise man happy, but absolutely nothing will satisfy a fool. 
and that, he wrote, is the reason so many of mankind are miserable. It is not material possessions, but the quality and character of the soul which are the abiding delights of life. There is a thirsting of spirit within, and only God can satisfy that quest. Dr. Samuel Silverman, clinical professor of psychiatry at Harvard University, has written that the average person could lengthen his or her life by as much as 15 years by learning to overcome two unhealthy emotional problems, feelings of loneliness and of anger. Dr. Silverman has found that to overcome anger, physical activity is an excellent therapy. Work hard, play hard, and less anger will accumulate in the emotional bloodstream. Loneliness is essentially overcome by learning to love people, to enjoy other human beings, to delight in friendship and companionship. If, as this Harvard psychologist has discovered, anger and loneliness can shorten one's human life by as much as 15 years, this logically leads the thoughtful individual to the conclusion that the opposite of these negative emotions, peace of mind and abundant love, could conversely lengthen one's life. And this is true. Human beings were literally created to live by spiritual values. People simply live more healthily, more vigorously, more successfully when living in peace, love, joy, faith, hope, and in a vital zest for spiritual meanings and values. The infinite God whose creative processes on this planet culminated in the existence of humankind created us to live at our best when living spiritually. Nothing less will suffice. It is the right and it is the birthright of every mortal on this planet to live in love as a son or daughter of God and a brother or sister to everyone else on this planet, black or white or red or yellow or any hue between, as one worldwide family of God. In Illinois, a man who committed several murders and who had had a long criminal record was sentenced to life in prison not long ago, and the penal psychiatrists noted that he had tattooed on both arms the words, born to lose. That is undoubtedly one of the most negative and pernicious philosophies of life a human being could hold. And yet, there are millions of people who never tattoo that on their arms, yet who have etched it into their thinking. This is what the psychologist Rosenthal terms the psychology of the self-fulfilling prophecy. If you literally believe that you were born to lose, if it becomes your philosophy that life can have no great meaning, no great value and joy and love and zest for you, then every thought you think, every action you do, every attitude and activity of your existence will lead you inexorably toward despair, failure, loneliness, frustration, isolation, and bitterness. Human beings were created for faith. Human beings were created for love and for truth and beauty and goodness and for the love of God and others. You were born not to lose but to live as a son or daughter of the living God. And that faith is the victory which conquers even the grave. It is the victory of eternity, of eternal life beginning here and now. Over a century ago, Henry Ward Beecher wrote, no person can become a full and complete person without the power of the Spirit of God any more than a bud could become a blossom without the warmth of the sunlight. Human beings need God. There's a hunger of heart and a thirsting of spirit for God. And in finding this relationship with the Father lies peace and joy because human beings are sons and daughters of God. 
philosophers have asked the question, what is man? But an ingenious assemblage of portable plumbing, 310 years before the birth of Christ, Philemon wrote, does man differ from the other animals only in posture? The rest are bent, but man is the wild beast who walks upright. Schiller, the 18th century philosopher, wrote, and this is a liberal translation, man originates in muck, walks a while in muck, makes muck, and in the end returns to the muck. But contrast to those dismal utterances, the words of the Apostle John, now we are the sons of God, or the words of Jesus, one is your father, which is in heaven. Human beings are children of the infinite. Human beings are of infinite value. And such a philosophy as that imparts to the believer a truly liberating perspective to know, perhaps for the first time in your life, who you really are. The author Virgil Kraft once wrote, human beings are either strutting absurdities in a cosmic sideshow, or they are the sons of God. But the weight of human history and the highest philosophic and spiritual thought resolve resoundingly in the conclusion humankind are children of the Most High God, who is both a father and a friend. The poet Robert Frost could take a blank piece of paper and write a poem on it and sell it for $5,000. That we call genius. J. Paul Getty could take a check and sign his name to it, and it became worth a million dollars. That we call wealth. But the living God of this universe can take an utterly ordinary human life and by the power of God's spirit, transform it into a radiant center of life and light and spiritual energy and purpose. And that is called love. That is infinite love. That is the love which makes human beings new. That is the love which makes all things new. I recall one day I was walking across campus at the University of California in Berkeley. I saw two students come strolling out of the music building, a boy and a girl, and they were holding hands and they were whistling a Johann Sebastian Bach two-part composition, a lively piece with these two distinct melodies going at once in a continual harmonic counterpoint. And I recall standing, listening, delighted at the intricate beauty of that music, whistling a two-part composition by Bach is something you can no more do by yourself than you can experience the highest joy of living in isolation because the highest joy is in love. God created humankind not only for himself, for God, but created us for one another. There is a music in the learning to love, a harmony, a joy, a beauty in it, and the learning to desire and do the best for other human beings, believing in and living the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, and only a spiritual renaissance beginning in the lives of individual people will ultimately transform this world. Recently in the state of Ohio, a construction contractor was sent to jail for willfully and knowingly using defective bricks. Bricks which in a relatively short period of time, following the completion of a building, would begin to crumble, crack, disintegrate. You could have the best architect's design, the best blueprint, and an utterly ideal concept for a building or a structure. But if the individual bricks 
you used were crumbling and cracked and defective, that building would not stand. Likewise, the leaders of this world, the political, governmental, and sociological experts could conceive the absolutely ideal society, ideal international relationships. It would be possible to devise a perfect political system, but if the individual men and women composing that society, that state, that government, that nation, or that world were personally corrupt individuals, greedy, jealous, hateful, undisciplined, selfish, cruel, that state or that nation would fall and great would be the fall of it because in the final analysis, the ultimate summing up of things, this world is made of individual men and women and only transformed individuals can create a transformed world. And only God can totally transform the individual life by the regenerative power of the Spirit. The kingdom of God is within you. You are infinitely valuable as a son or daughter of this living God. And the spiritual renaissance begins where you are, when you dare to give your life to the living God who gave you your life in the first place, and to pray, God, it is my will that your will be done. And that will begin to make in you all things new. If you're interested in these topics, write to us. We want to hear from you at the Spiritual Renaissance Institute, Box 3080, Oakhurst, California, 93644. That's the Spiritual Renaissance Institute, or abbreviated SRI. For those of you listening in other countries around the world over our international satellite and shortwave network, let me spell the mailing address. SRI, Box 3080, Oakhurst, O-A-K-H-U-R-S-T, California, C-A-L-I-F-O-R-N-I-A, 93644, United States of America. I've written Finding God, Getting to Know God, Seven Principles of Prayer, Life After Death, What Does Happen When You Die? If you're interested in these topics, no cost, no charge, no obligation, nobody's going to come to your door with an attache case and try to sell you something. Simply write to the Spiritual Renaissance Institute Box, 3080 Oakhurst, California, 93644, USA. This is a non-sectarian, non-profit program proclaiming the dawning spiritual renaissance, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, the worldwide family of God. And so for now, this is Vern Benham Grimsley saying, may God's will be done by you. Good day.